Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. It has been a while, Bulls fans, but we are back here on the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. Greg Mraz with you here. Appreciate you putting up with us through the long hiatus. Obviously, for basketball fans everywhere, it is a long hiatus as well. I can tell you this. I was planning to record a show the day after the NBA stopped. I can tell you exactly where I was. I had the day off from my normal job. I was actually out on the golf course, and every time I was looking at my phone on Twitter, I saw some new news breaking, and after I saw Gobert test positive for COVID-19, then you somewhat knew that this was going to happen, and the NBA was suspended, and now here we are almost three full weeks later, and we basically are at a point where we have no idea what's going to happen for the NBA. However, it's pretty evident what's going to happen for the Chicago Bulls. If the NBA does continue, and there are so many stories now about what could happen, what they might do to play an alternative season, there's no way that the Bulls are going to get a chance to play another game in this basketball season. Most people think that they're going to, if they end up restarting an NBA season, probably going to take the teams that are currently in the top eight in each conference. And right now, that is not the Chicago Bulls. So you probably have seen the end of the 2019-2020 Chicago Bulls. And it was an abject disappointment. When Gar Foreman and John Paxson and Jim Boylan stood up at Media Day this year, they were giving the fans an expectation of a playoff contender. And now... That seems so far-fetched in hindsight that you would almost blindly throw a dart at that expectation and maybe, just maybe, you'd hit the edge of the text of that writing. And whether or not this season actually continues for the Chicago Bulls is pretty much irrelevant. There's nothing left to be gained from watching this group on the floor. The only thing that we can wonder now is what is going to happen to the powers that be, what is going to happen in terms of a draft prospectus, and how will the Bulls restart this rebuild going into the 2020-2021 season. So let's start with the biggest question facing the Bulls this offseason. There have been multiple reports, started by Joe Cowley of the Chicago Sun-Times and sourcing directly from Chairman Michael Reinsdorf, that the Bulls are looking for somebody else to come in in the front office and supposedly work under John Paxson. Now, a lot of the reporting that has gone on has effectively said that they want this new supposed front office member to be open to keeping Jim Boylan on as coach. And basically, you kind of throw out a bunch of candidates when that's the case. Because the whole point of bringing somebody else in is to have a new voice and a new mind in the room. And that new mind, more than likely, is not going to agree with having Jim Boylan as the team's head coach. If the stipulation is to keep Jim Boylan as the coach, then your pool of candidates is going to be limited. 
But if John Paxson can somehow let go of Jim Boylan, then I think you probably have a good chance of actually hiring somebody that's going to make an impact. Now, that person's going to want to hire their own coach. Now, what's the power structure of this? Is this person going to end up having more day-to-day power than John Paxson? Are they going to be allowed to make the big decisions that could shift the future of the franchise? If the answer to that is yes, then you're going to have a much better pool of candidates. If it's still Paxson pulling the puppet strings, then what's the point? Now, what's been made clear is that Gar Foreman has, as somebody on Chicago Sports Radio put it, has been effectively shifted to scouting in Siberia. Gar Foreman is no longer a part of the Chicago Bulls picture, and I think that's the part of this that has to be made extremely clear. Gar Foreman ran a lot of those day-to-day operations, but one of the things that kind of changed it all for the Reinsdorfs is that they were honoring Luol Deng on a night earlier this season, and a lot of former Bulls came back, a lot of former Bulls that Gar Foreman scouted and signed, and he was being completely aloof from them. Foreman socially has been somewhat of a pariah, it seems like, around the Bulls' front office per a lot of reports. Now, granted, I'm not on the inside. I have absolutely no idea how he functions on a day-to-day basis. But what you can determine, and based on the amount of press availability, how much you actually see him, that Gar Foreman is not a part of the picture. He may stay in the organization as a scout, and granted, that's where he made his money. That's where he became of the greatest value is that he was a very good scout. As a GM, he had some really good years. The Bulls drafted very well, and the Bulls did the best that they could with a lot of the free agent classes that they were given. But right now, it seems like the Bulls are willing to put Gar Foreman aside in order to bring somebody else in. Now the question of Jim Boylan kind of remains in the balance, and I feel like Boylan is going to end up sticking around. Just given everything that has happened with COVID-19 and how the NBA might possibly pick back up again, I think that continuity is important. Even if it's continuity in the form of organized chaos, which is somewhat what the 2019-2020 Chicago Bulls were, it's better than having somebody come in, start fresh, but given all the restrictions on gatherings and practices and operations right now around not just the NBA but professional sports, how you would be able to actually formulate a game plan and formulate a system that these players could pick up as soon as they end up coming back to work, which could be not for quite some time. And if the NBA does decide to resume this season, there's a possibility you don't get going again until maybe early August, and the NBA's calendar gets completely shifted, and the 2020-21 season doesn't begin until maybe Christmas. You know, that's what happened when the NBA went on strike back in, I believe it was 2011, They started the season Christmas 2011 and had a 66-game schedule. Now, that 66-game schedule compressed into a short amount of time is basically, I think a lot of people can argue, the end of Derrick Rose when he got injured in that first-round playoff game against the Philadelphia 76ers, a team, by the way, coached by Bulls advisor Doug Collins. There has not been much said about what's going to happen to Doug Collins, and quite frankly, I don't think a whole hell of a lot of people care. So what do you do now if you're the Chicago Bulls? This season is done. It's over with, pretty much. There's no value to be gained from it. So I think that we should start to look at what guys are going to be a part of this team going forward. Who's going to have a major impact for the future of these Chicago Bulls? And if the Bulls do end up with that number 7 overall pick again, which right now, based on their record, they have the 7th worst record in the NBA, they probably will. What direction do you go with that pick? 
I see a lot of people linking the Bulls at number seven to USC's Onyeka Okongwu. Now, I work for the Pac-12 Network, and I've had a chance to see Okongwu play countless times, not in person, but the Big O, as he's called, is a very versatile big man. He moves well, plays really good defense, gets to the rim pretty easily, good rim runner, not much of a perimeter game at this point. Maybe at some point we can have somebody on to give a draft prospectus of Onyeko Kongwu. But I think that when you look at the Bulls and their biggest needs, I would probably say, A, a true big man like an Okongwu. I think that Okongwu could be that true five that you've been looking for. I don't think Wendell Carter Jr. is that. I think functions more as a four, and that's what you want him to do because Carter is a good shooter. He's a good passer. He's somebody that moves well without the ball. I don't think you want him to be your true back-it-down type of five guy. I mean, you do want him to play some traditional post, but I think he's got the skill set to where you can use him in other places. Laurie Markkinen certainly is not a guy that you're going to use as a traditional post. I mean, he's a stretch four, probably plays a lot more like a three, but Markkinen's numbers are going to have to improve in year four. He's going to be entering a contract year. The decision on his future is going to have to be made after next offseason. Or rather, I think you could probably make it during this offseason, whether or not you want to extend him or have him play out the final year of his current rookie contract and then let him go or see what the market will bear on him. And if you're willing to match whatever it is that he gets on the market, consider what value he has to the franchise in whatever role that he is. I mean, I don't think Laurie Markkinen is anything more than a poor man's Dirk Nowitzki. That's what I think. And I don't know if he's somebody that you're going to want to pay the type of money that he might command because he's not worth that type of money. I mean, everybody that was a top 10 pick in a recent draft is going to command a decent amount of money on the open market unless they've absolutely flamed out considerably. I think your best example of that is Anthony Bennett, who was a first overall pick and never really amounted much to anything in the NBA, although that was a draft where there was not a consensus number one overall pick. The other real big area of need is a true point guard, and I think that's where the Bulls probably, if they want the distraction of LeVar Ball, you consider LaMelo Ball. I think LaMelo Ball is going to go inside the top 10 of this upcoming NBA draft. I do. He's that good of a player. And by the way, just ironically enough, at least for a period of time, teammates with Onyeko Kongwu at Chino Hills High School. That one Chino Hills team, Lonzo Ball senior year, had Lonzo Ball, LaMelo Ball, and Onyeko Kongwu. Think about the amount of talent you've got on one high school basketball team. LaMelo Ball is a playmaking point guard, and the Bulls right now don't have that. They don't have a point guard that you can consider a true scorer. Thomas Sadoransky is not a franchise point guard, and Chris Dunn has proven at this point that he is not an offense-first point guard. In the modern NBA, you need your Steph Curry type of guard. You don't need somebody that's going to shoot as well as Steph Curry, but you need somebody that can provide a little bit more offensively than what a Chris Dunn can. And I think that the Bulls probably expected more offensively out of Chris Dunn than the player that he became. Now, that's not saying that Chris Dunn can't serve as a backup point guard, but I think if you go into the next five years saying that Chris Dunn is our starting point guard and is going to average over 30 minutes a night, I think you're 1,000% mistaken. Problem is, there aren't a lot of great point guards that are going to be available at number seven. I mean, LaMelo Ball may potentially go before number seven, which means that you've got either Killian Hayes, the guy that went over to Germany, or you have Nico Mannion of Arizona. And Nico Mannion's a guy I had a chance to see play a lot. 
he has the potential to develop into a really good offensive player. He's a great ball distributor, but he's really not a great shooter. I saw enough of Nico Mannion play, and I think you could talk to any of my colleagues at Pac-12 Network. They will tell you that Nico Mannion is not ready for the NBA. But because he is a plus ball distributor and a plus ball handler, he's going to go in the first round of the NBA draft. He'll probably be the first player of Arizona's three freshmen that are taken and probably one of the higher true point guards that gets taken. So I don't necessarily think that drafting Mannion would be a bad idea for the Chicago Bulls. The thing, though, is is if you draft Nico Mannion, you're not drafting him with the number seven pick. You're drafting him somewhere later in the first round, which means you're trading out of that number seven slot and get yourself more draft capital. You could also end up going with a small forward at that number seven spot. Isaac Okoro from Auburn could be a really intriguing guy. He's a true small forward. Although not a true small forward and somebody I think is going to be available, you could go to Dayton's Obi Toppin, the National Player of the Year. He had a tremendous year, and the main reason why Dayton was as good as they were, although granted he does not have the same type of skills that an Okoro does, the Bulls are really in a difficult position because you almost have to draft the best player available because this is not a very deep draft. You know, you got the premier scorers, the guys like the Anthony Edwards and the James Wisemans that are going to go at the top of this draft, and the Bulls aren't going to get there. Now, it's still to be determined how the NBA lottery is going to function. Do you do it like the NFL and say, well, the order in which the team's finished in is the order in which we're going to have the draft, or do you do a traditional lottery? Because with games still remaining in the season, you don't know how the odds of how many lottery balls you're going to get would favor one team or another. I mean, right now, the Golden State Warriors are destined to get the number one overall pick, but that might have changed with a healthy Steph Curry, and if the season gets started late enough, a healthy Clay Thompson. Now, they're not going to get to the playoffs this year, but the Warriors could have potentially improved upon their record to the point where they may not have ended up with the best odds of getting the number one overall pick. We don't know. And the NBA is going to have to make a critical decision in terms of how the draft is structured and how you expect these odds to go down for each of these teams. Because for a team like the Bulls that has two positions of great need, I think that the point guard is probably a bigger need than the true five. But if the point guard that you feel like is going to make that difference isn't available, then you go with that five. If the Bulls end up better than seven, you can end up with a Lamelo ball. If they end up at seven or worse, I think Onyeka Okongwu is still available, and that's the guy you go out and get because that's the one true five that's available in the top ten that you're not going to find in a lot of other places. He's not going to go above James Wiseman. James Wiseman is that super prospect, but I've seen enough of Big O play to tell you he's going to be a really good NBA player. I think you also take the philosophy at this point that it doesn't really matter what position you fill first. You just have to get the best player available. Because I'm looking at this Bulls roster right now, and I see only a few players that I look at as being big parts of the future. The first one being Kobe White. I think Kobe White has shown that he has the ability to be an amazing scorer. But he's not a point guard. He's not a true point guard. The Bulls drafted him because they figured he was a guy with point guard abilities that could score and may have the opportunity to turn into a point guard, but he's not an NBA point guard. Whatever type of point guard abilities that he had at North Carolina, that's not the case in Chicago. You'd say he's more of a combo guard, more of a two guard than a point guard. 
That also leaves Zach Levine, by far the best player on your team, by far your best scorer, but again, he's a two-guard, maybe even a small three, but he's not a point guard. You have forced him to play point guard at times. You look at Thomas Sadoransky. That's not a guy that's the future of your franchise, and he is a short-term point guard. Denzel Valentine, not a point guard. In fact, I don't think Denzel Valentine is going to be long for the Chicago Bulls or the NBA, for that matter. You know, Adam Makoka is a G League guy. He's not going to have an impact. Chandler Hutchison. I mean, I think that Hutchison could be a decent player, but again, not a point guard. And that leaves you with Ryan Archidiakono, and he's not a point guard. And we all know that Chris Dunn is a point guard that can't shoot. So I would say if you come to number seven and LaMelo Ball is still available, you take him. If Killian Hayes is still available, you take him. I think point guard is the first position that you have to address. But if one of those guys isn't there and the point guard's available, you can either get later or are not going to have the type of impact on your franchise long term that you hope that they'll have, then you either draft Okongwu or Obi Toppin and you decide to get your point guard via free agency if you can even get anybody via free agency. And who knows how the free agency cycle is going to work at this point. You know, Major League Baseball said that everybody gets a full year of service time if they don't play a season. Well, the NBA has got to effectively say that this is a full and completed year, and they're not going to put a stay in on any contract saying, okay, you were supposed to be a free agent after this year, now you're not. No, they're not going to do that. No chance in God's green earth that they're going to do that. But when I look at this Bulls roster, Wendell Carter should be your four of the future. Laurie Markkinen should be one of your three fours of the future. Daniel Gafford should be a guy that has an impact. Cristiano Felicio, you gave him way too much money for no reason, so you're stuck with him. Luke Cornett, he's okay, but he's not a franchise-altering piece. And you've got a lot of money wrapped up in Otto Porter Jr., and I don't think you have any chance of getting rid of him. So... You might be able to trade away Thad Young. That takes away one of your fours. And then you either draft Okongwu, Toppin. Maybe if you move back a little bit, you can pick up a Jaden McDaniels from Washington. There's a lot of different possibilities. But again, you have to be on the same page amongst the entire front office in terms of what you're doing to set the course of this franchise past this year. I personally don't think that you can have Jim Boylan as the coach, as a part of that, because here's what's going to end up happening. If you want to build a core, you have to be able to do it a combination of drafting and free agency. That's how we saw the Golden State Warriors get good. You drafted Steph Curry, you developed him. You drafted Clay Thompson, you developed him. You also picked up Andre Iguodala, and you were able to keep him there long term. You picked up Andrew Bogut, and you were able to keep him there for a considerable period of time. You were able to sign Kevin Durant because you had the credo from making the finals the previous year. Granted, you lost in seven games, but you set a single-season NBA record for wins with 73, and the year before, a team that effectively came out of nowhere under a first-year coach won it all. Durant comes, they win two more finals, they probably would have won a third in a row had he not gotten hurt in the playoffs. You build cores through the draft and through free agency. And right now, the Bulls do not have the power structure in place to attract any quality free agents. That's why they had to pick up Otto Porter in a trade from the Wizards. 
the Bulls effectively gave him a big money contract by taking on the contract that he already had in exchange, giving away two expiring contracts in Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker that the Bulls more than likely weren't going to re-sign anyway. So the Bulls say, hey, this is a guy we might want, and the Wizards want to clear some cap room, so let's just do this deal. That effectively was their free agent signing because they knew they weren't going to be in competition for anybody. The book is out on the Bulls. I mean, Anthony Davis said that he wouldn't play in Chicago, and he's from there. It took Dwayne Wade fighting with the Heat publicly about how much he should get paid to come to the Bulls, who overpaid for a guy that was over the hill. And he was gone less than a year later and ends up back in Miami to finish his career. You have got to get this new voice in here as soon as humanly possible, because if you don't, you are charting your franchise in a bad direction, a direction that is going to effectively have a lack of development for the guys that you draft, and you're not going to be able to improve it from the outside other than overpaying guys who aren't worth the contract that you're giving them. I mean, historically, the Bulls have ended up with second billing. They wanted LeBron James and Chris Bosh. They got stuck with Carlos Boozer. They wanted to be able to go after LeBron again. They got stuck with Pau Gasol. Not that those guys were bad players, but they weren't A-tier free agents. They were guys that had skill sets, but also had severe flaws, meaning neither of them really played any defense. They were both slow. They were both limited, and that's why they were available, because the teams that could command big-time free agents, the best free agents, could get the best free agents. They didn't want those guys. They knew that they were severe backup options and that they weren't going to lose the guys that they wanted. The Bulls are never at the front of anybody's list, and people will make the excuse, well, nobody wants to play Jordan's shadow. Bull! LeBron James actively chose to go to the Los Angeles Lakers and he would be playing in the shadow of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, and Kobe Bryant. LeBron James may end up as the greatest player of all time, but he's never going to be the greatest Laker of all time. And he knows that he would never be able to live up to Kobe Bryant, or Magic, or Kareem, or James Worthy, or anybody from Showtime or the early 2000s Lakers. That wasn't going to happen. LeBron went there because... He thought it was the best option for him. They made it the most attractive situation. And you know what? After a year of struggling, the Lakers started to win again. So the Bulls can't use this Jordan's shadow as an excuse for not being able to attract top guys. It's all on management. And management now has to realize that if they don't pivot directions, they are going to be screwed going forward. Absolutely screwed. And now... This period of time, when you're not playing any more games, when you have a lot of time to think about what you're going to do next, you look at your structure, you look at the guys you have on this team, and you have to bring in the right guy to make the evaluations and say, this guy's a part of the future, this guy's not. If I were to just throw a bunch of darts at a wall, what guys on this team I want as a part of the future for at least the next five years, I want Zach Levine, I want Wendell Carter Jr., I want Kobe White, and I do want Laurie Markkinen. The rest of them? I don't know. You know, I don't think that Otto Porter Jr. will come back after his contract expires. I don't think that 
We know enough about a Daniel Gafford yet to make an evaluation on him. We know enough about Chris Dunn to know that he's not the point guard of the future. Wasn't the point guard of the present either. But the Bulls do have to worry about how the rest of this season is going to play out. But they can secretly be somewhat operating in regards to what they're going to do moving forward. I would expect to see news on somebody hired to run the front office under Paxson probably sometime before the NBA draft. And who at this point knows when the draft is going to be held? Because if the season ends up going into August, you can't feasibly hold the draft while the season's still going on and not expect those guys to be able to play for that team. There are so many different scenarios in regards to how the NBA is going to get back on track again, but I don't think really any of them apply to the Bulls. I mean, what is the likely case that the NBA actually plays any more regular season games? Major League Baseball won't even get started again until Memorial Day. The Philadelphia Eagles of the NFL have already told season ticket holders they don't need to make any more payments on their season tickets. That means that they may not even start football on time. And if they do end up trying to play the NBA, Brian Windhorst of ESPN threw out an idea that you build these two sequestered bubbles and you have the NBA teams basically play each other playoff style in one location, almost like a college tournament type of deal. I don't know if you can necessarily pull that off. I don't know if you can be able to find the facilities necessary to do that, but the NBA has to decide what their goal is at this point for the 2020 season. For the Bulls, as we've said, there's really not much left to evaluate from the 2019-2020 season. All you can do at this point is hope that you have a plan in place going forward and know and trust that this front office is going to be able to make the right decisions for the future of the franchise, which I don't know if we have that yet, but I think John Paxson and Michael Reinsdorf have already made some decisions that we, the public, may not know about yet. And as this goes on, and as we continue to see the effects of COVID-19 unfold in the sports world, we'll have a much better idea in terms of what the future of the NBA is for this season and how that will impact the Bulls' decisions going into whenever the offseason starts. This has been Episode 3 of the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. What to expect going forward? We're going to have a combination of player evaluations from this year, we're going to do some draft evaluations on a couple of individuals specifically that might impact the Chicago Bulls, and we may do a couple of narrative episodes in terms of the Bulls historically. Obviously, the big news that came out today is that the Michael Jordan 10-part documentary on ESPN is going to be moved up from June to April 19th. They're going to air two episodes a night for five straight weeks. So I think a lot of our content is going to be somewhat of a review of those documentaries. It has hit the sports world like wildfire. And I got to say, I am extremely excited for this to happen. My first memories of an NBA fan were watching the 97 and 98 finals with my dad. And I think that we can see a new light into the 90s era Bulls that we probably wouldn't see otherwise unless we were there, unless we were a part of it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how this series ends up turning out. This has been Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls on the Hoop Ball Network. We will talk to you next time. And as always, go Bulls! This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.